What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast, where I have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And in this episode, I continue my conversation with Gustavo Bulgini, the host of the Gustas Loose podcast. And you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. So check them out. Um, we talk about faith, politics, and being black in Orange County. We get right into it again in the second part of the conversation. Hope y'all enjoy it. All right, y'all. Here it is. A lot of these conversations I have with older guys from my church, I have them because I respect them. Yep. I think they're smart guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that of a lot of people, I think a lot of people, when presented with information, they're going to be uncomfortable. They might even be hostile. And I've had both. I've had people yelling in my face over this. Yep. Unfazed. But I think that it's planting seeds. Yeah. Jesus talks about the same thing. Yeah. We're planting seeds and eventually it's going to make sense mm-hmm. and it's going to click. So I think I'm going to clarify something really important here because the last thing I want BIPOC folks to do, especially for those of you who are still in religious spaces, is to spiritually get bypassed or tie something up in like a spiritual band-aid on something that's particularly traumatizing. I'm speaking from experience here. And so going back to the parable Gustavo was even referring to, it goes something like this. A farmer went out to sow seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate them up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had, not, they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil where it produced crop 160 or 30 times that what was sown. We as BIPOC folks, I'm speaking directly to y'all right now, we have to be aptly aware of the folks we choose to invest in, especially when it comes to conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Where are those seeds being planted? Are those seeds being planted on that rocky, hard, hard ground that is nearly impossible to till? Or is it being planted in soil that produces fruit that gives to you that that isn't always taken from you? Is this a life-giving relationship that is worth continuing? How are they choosing to navigate this conversation with you? Are they doing the internal work as well as the external work to alleviate any kind of harm that they could potentially be doing to you? I think one of the reasons we have a lot of these people is because being white in this country gives such an advantage. I mean, if you don't know if that's an advantage, listen to my podcast on my, yeah. my own well, podcast. Plug it, plug it, yeah. plug it, plug it. <laughs> if you don't think it's an advantage, go to the Goose is Loose, okay? <laughs> listen to my podcast on white privilege about a pastor who used to not believe in white privilege and came around to it. Great podcast. Hmm. It's a huge advantage. The whole country is built for you to succeed. The country was not built for people like you and I. You and I were used to build the country, yep. but the country is not built for us. So I think that when you when you talk about this, you talk about racism and you talk about white privilege, it's offensive because mm-hmm. of two things. One, it goes against fundamental beliefs about this country that every man's created equal, equal, and every man deserves you know liberty, life, and the pursuit of happiness, and all this jazz and yeah. property. It goes against that, and people refuse to believe it, even though people who signed the Declaration of Independence had slaves. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And two, it tells them you got here because of something that helped you. There's like a pride factor, you know? It's like, oh, you got helped along because you're white. Yeah. And to deny that is crazy. 
But I think it's only crazy if they don't know the other side, yeah. right? Because if your whole life you had rich uncles and you had owned property and your uncle owned a business and he helped you, you would think that's normal. And then I show up and say, hey, I'm from Brazil. I have no family here. I'm a first-generation lawyer. I don't know jack about anything. I don't know any attorneys. I don't know anybody who even makes more than like 80K a year. That's how, you know what I mean? Yep. You would be like, people like you exist? Yeah. How? Mm. And I think that's where they are. Yeah. And I think it's offensive to them in a way yeah. because they say, no, I built this on my own. And I go, what? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. But I have obstacles you don't. Yep. And you have ladders that I don't. Yeah. I got to figure out how to climb these walls. You, there's an elevator built for you. Mm. You know? It's a different situation. Yeah. But I think those two things create an emotional barrier to learning about this. And I think that history and facts can permeate the barrier mm. after you've heard them out, which is what you're saying. And I think that even guys like the ones I'm talking to who are so entrenched in this, even they start to doubt themselves. And that's all I want. A little doubt. A little doubt grows into education, I think. Yeah. But I'm willing to have the conversation because I think it matters. Yeah. You know, and I don't want them to go to Jesus with this hate in their heart and this racism in their body and have to be presented like that to God. Mm. I'd rather not. And I honestly think that good-hearted people can change, no matter how old they are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like if somebody feels like, and that's the, that's the defining factor, right? If like if somebody feels heard and seen, then like those those guards break down. Like yeah. they don't have anything to say to that. I think I have been most impactful in situations like that. There are just certain situations that I'm not gonna put myself in, because, and and this is real, like pre-Trump. Yes, I probably would have had those conversations all day. Yeah. I think now there is a level where people are so emboldened that they get to a, a, a level of anger. It doesn't matter how good of a person they are. Yeah. That, that I am legitimately scared for my life. Hmm. Like legit. Like, I, like if I have a conversation like this, if, like if we were talking like this out in public, yeah. like I don't care, we, we'd be talking. And you know what I'm saying? Like, but I legit think that like in the back of my mind, like if... Three of the wrong dudes come out of nowhere. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, no, that's I'm possible. and I'm walking to my car. That's possible. You know what I'm saying? I try and like communicate that piece. And that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like I'm not willing to put myself in harm's way in yeah. that way. Like if I have good relationship with somebody and like, you know, they say something to me, I'm like, I would engage in that. Yeah. I think even like it, as I'm like peeling, peeling back the layers of that, because I think some people that listen to my podcast think I just don't talk. I won't talk to anybody, but no, um, that's, that's not it. It's like, yeah. who am I willing to engage with? Where is like the, the safe place that I will be able to engage these things with like physical safe place. I don't, I mean, you can call me whatever you want. I mean, I've been called a nigger right to my face and like, it doesn't phase me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, cool. <laughs> um, um, I think in the last four years I've seen just a level of like, just these people don't give a shit like seriously um, yeah and and that's what i'm that's what i'm like that's what i'm thinking i'm, I'm i and and the, my wife runs through my head my my mom goes to my head like there are people that i need to come home to and like is this conversation worth it right now really yeah wow uh, yeah. i think that i'm just a person that i'm never afraid for my physical i mean i'm aware of my surroundings yeah i'm never that afraid for my physical safety um i think that the biggest battle in these conversations is just staying calm because, dude, mm. I've literally have had this conversation with, like, guys that I know that are this close to my face. Mm. And I could just snap them in half if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and I could just call them a moron yeah. and just be done. You'll never see me upset. You'll never catch me angry. Yeah. It's very rare. I don't think I'd choose anything. And I think that I'm most persuasive by staying calm. 
And even that is very exhausting to me. Yes. Because one, the idea that I have to present the facts in a certain way yep. to entice somebody to listen to me is yep. annoying. And I have to teach them these things. Like I have to be their teacher, like we've been talking about. Yep. And I got to deal with their, and this is the most upsetting part, they're really upset about a perceived threat. I'm voicing a real concern of mine, mm. a real life concern about the police and systemic racism that I experience. Mm. I'm voicing that. They're angrier than me about a perceived threat, something that's just like in their ego. Yet we're having this conversation. They're the ones yelling. That's what's frustrating to me in this yeah. conversation. People are yelling in my face about things that, are, one, I know to be true because I've seen the studies. Two is my reality, mm-hmm. and it's your reality, yep. and it's my nephew's reality, and it's my wife's reality, and it's my mom's reality, but it's not theirs. And they're most upset because it's hurting their ego. Yeah, That, to me, is frustrating. And that's why I don't like these conversations. Because you and I can sit and talk about the benefits of capitalism versus socialism all day. Yeah. It's not a personal conversation. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's academic. I love it. Yeah. This is a personal conversation about my life mm-hmm. and my kids' lives. Yeah. i got to think about where I want my kids to grow up. Yeah. Like, I have to think about all these things because they really yeah. matter. They're growing up in Long Beach, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have to, like, these are all things I have to think about that mm. they just don't. Yeah. It just doesn't matter to them. To yeah. them, it's just a political discussion. Yeah. They're having a conversation about politics. I'm going to have a conversation about my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very personal to me. Mm. So, that's what's tiring and it's draining because i got to maintain this like very almost professional approach to the conversation with people who aren't over their ego because i want them to hear what i'm saying yeah and that's what that's what gets me about like your willingness to have these conversations because you're in those moments you're required to do a lot like a lot like a lot (laughs) (laughs) and and it is exhausting i've heard the reason why a couple you said it a couple times i i just refuse to give up on some people yeah i think some people are just worth it and it's a very personal conversation, but to me, and maybe, you know what, I just, I have this idea mm-hmm. in my mind that people, at the, after the emotion and after this, they're going to work off of the facts. Yep. And if I can just maintain calm and I can just, I can hear them out, even though what they're saying is racist and usually very offensive, if I can just get through that and I can present the facts, we'll, we'll get them on our side. And if I can get this person on my side... They do the work for me because they're going to go talk to their family. Mm. This right here is a trope that I just want to call out. Um, as a black person, our emotions are continuously policed if we showed any signs of emotion that leaves the confines of passivity or calm or cool or even the funny, hilarious jokester. Because if we do, if we do we're automatically dismissed as like hyper-emotional black person. Think like the angry black woman trope. What is particularly infuriating about this is that a white person can show their entire ass in an argument, in a store, in a restaurant, state capitol building, yelling and spitting on police officers with a fully loaded rifle, and it's completely justifiable. Or that individual is cast off as a crazy person. It's individualized. For black folks, individuals are often lifted up as the standard for that entire culture. So the fact that Gustavo, even as he remains calm in a conversation that directly impacts his life, has to stand there calmly while he's verbally insulted and abused is completely outrageous and ridiculous and, quite frankly, fucked up. 
But I think that they go they go on and have these conversations because certainly the, the the reverse has happened. I've talked not the reverse, but the inverse. I've certainly talked to one of their kids and had their kids turn around and go talk to their family. We can do the same with adults. Yeah, it just takes more work. So the reason I've stopped is because I've just gotten tired. Yeah, I've gotten tired of these conversations because every time I put out a podcast, I'll get. 15 to 30 people DM me individually. The same message, by the way. Usually the same thing. Yeah. Jacob Blake deserves to get shot. Systemic racism isn't real. George Floyd deserves to die. George Floyd was a criminal. BLM is witchcraft. I, I'll show you that one, by the way. I got it. That, right. that one's a real okay. one. I'll all show right. you that one. All right. BLM's involved in witchcraft. All I'll right. get all of that, right? And usually I'll just write one inclusive thing and just copy paste it to everybody because yeah. I'm not going to write every person an individual message. Yeah. I just, I'd have to charge them for tutoring if I was yeah, going to do seriously. that. The church just hasn't been supportive. At least my church hasn't mm. to the extent that I feel like I'm fed on Sundays. So I have my life group, like really close friends of ours. There's 10 of us in this life group. And that's where I go. Mm. That's where Chelsea and I go for support and to talk and, you know, talking to you and, and, uh, and Hendo. And that's where we go to like feel heard and, and get fed yeah. and feel like Christians are doing what they're supposed to be doing about this. Yep. Right? Like when Jesus is talking about justice and talking about caring for the needy and the poor, he's talking about this. Yep. But the church has been weaponized for white supremacy forever. Yep. I mean, The Atlantic, I think, had a great article on this. The church has supported and been weaponized. The KKK, all of them, I'm sure will tell you they're Christians. I don't know how this happened. Yeah. But I need churches to start combating this. And I need mm. churches to start stepping up, doing what Jesus would do. It's shameful what's happening now. And my church took a stab at it. You know, they swung. Like, a little what, bit. Justice Sunday or? Uh, one of our younger pastors, he had a pretty good Sunday sermon on it. To me, which sounded like a uh, opening. It sounded like a, this is what we're going to be talking about for a while. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't get brought up again. Got you. And then, I, like I told you before, I sat down with the pastor. We talked about it. He went up. And he just, he gave a sermon that I thought was, um, it was very bland. Mm. And it was, uh, it was basically like, hey. Racism is bad, right, guys? And I don't even know if that last part would get it. Don't be racist might be too strong for, for the level of strength we're talking about here. Yeah. And I think after that, I was just somewhere, and I was telling this to uh, Justin's father, Dan, he's a very smart guy, mm-hmm. sent me a new song, right, that we were talking about their sermon. And I, what was the guy's name? Uh, Adam Edgerly. Adam's very smart. And I, I just couldn't believe how supportive and how educated, eloquent, uh, and just, like, just preach, man. Just, yeah. like... That's what the church is supposed to be about. Here's the thing, and I've said it before and, and most times in the black church, because I've said this part, black, being black is political, like our lives, everything. It's so in the black church, traditionally, those things are like commonplace. Like yeah. they're not separate. So yeah. like when I when I moved out to Orange County, when I came to school, this white-ass school I went to, and like they're talking about like this, just things that really don't matter, like legitimate things that don't matter. I'm like, Two months ago, when I was back home, like we were feeding the homeless, we were out there. Like I, I was like doing work, you know what I'm saying? Like doing like work, um, and like we're talking about, you know, going overseas and doing overseas missions trips, and like that's the extent of it, you know what I'm saying? And and that's where that's where that's where the church happens. And I'm like, yo, if you, if you go to the like on the other side of this city that we're in, if you go to like a city next door. If you go 30 minutes up, like there are areas that you could still be doing this work and that wasn't seen. And so like, uh, they don't talk about like real life engagement no. in like politics or stuff like that. But traditionally in the church, like these, those were the hubs. You know what I'm saying? Like these are things that are normalized and talked about. But here's the funniest thing, I think. It's hilarious you said that. Yeah. 
Because if you ask, because a lot of, you know, a lot of white Christians are Republicans. If you ask them, okay, so if the government's not going to do it, who is? They'll say the church. They'll say the church should be doing this. That's hilarious. And then you say, is your church doing this? The answer is no. Yep. Because why evangelical churches become this kind of consumer thing mm-hmm. where you go, you pay your fee. Yep. They used to call that tithing. They don't anymore. They don't even really do that. Yeah. Some people are going for free. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but if you pay your membership, you know, some yeah. people do. Yeah. The pastor doesn't really challenge you very much. He'll say yep. some things. He'll, you know, give you kind of a prepackaged sermon, make you feel good. And then you'll really think about it and you'll raise your hands and you'll go home. And nothing changes. Mm. And then every once in a while, he'll say, hey, we're going to do a special offering for this people that we're sending to Africa. And you'll give a little money, and you'll say, look at me go. And that's it. Yep. And if you go somewhere where he really challenges you, you're going to say, I don't know, I don't really like that pastor. Yep. You know, If he says something like, you know, Jesus died on the cross, blah, 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 we should be dying to ourselves, and we should be doing this and that, he's going to be like, I don't know if I like this guy very much. I'm yep. going to go to a different church. Yeah. And that happens way too much. Yeah. Where Christianity is built to be comfortable. Yeah. And it's built to not rock the boat. Yeah. And that's been the white church. Yeah. That's been my church. And it's just, dude, it's just been... And this is what I was telling Dan after he told me about New Song. I said, somewhere has to be the well. There's got to be somewhere where my wife and I can go to be fed. There's got to be somewhere where corporate worship doesn't feel like a battleground. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a mission. It feels like we're all there on the same page Worshipping the same God. Because sometimes I feel like we're, not, we're talking about two different religions. Yeah. So, well, you are, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I go, uh, I go all in. I don't oh, care. Man. I don't care. I don't, I don't go anywhere anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to have a pastor email me or whatever. And by the way, I, I, people don't come at me when I say stuff. Like, they don't... They don't. I got to say this. If y'all really have a problem with something I say, please IG message me. Like, seriously, hit me up. I know... If somebody's listening and they back out, they probably just like turn it off when they hear something that they don't like. But yo, if you disagree, like I, say I invite it, man. I, I seriously do invite it. Like, please hit me up. Anyways, yeah. But I, I, I think you are talking about two different religions. Like yeah. you, you really are. Yeah. Uh, because like, and I've dealt with this multiple times. I've been to so many churches, served so many churches in OC, like and during my 10 years here. And, like, it's always been the same thing. It always has gone down to the same thing. And, like, when I listen, and I've said this before, when I listen to a worship song that talks about setting the captives free, and I could look around this crowd, and, like, barely any of them probably, like, don't know anybody that has gone to jail. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. probably don't know anybody that goes. I know, I know, personally know that I'm still in a relationship. I know a good, like, a good amount of people that have gone to jail. You know what I'm saying? Um, or have some bad interaction with the police. Yeah. And like when I hear that, you know, I think about like their experience because they've told me about their experience. And I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Like you have no idea. You have to make up this idea of like some like, and not make up. I don't want to belittle like a person's experience or life experiences. But like. Well, I mean, what, I think that they're yeah. talking about, you know, they're captive to sin, which is. Well, you know, sure, you're but, dead to sin, and you know, sure, you, but like it's this idea of like, you, and it, you have to place yourself emotionally there. That's why yeah. they play those the songs the way that they do. Yeah, you know, the and, and I've been in, yes, and I've been in worship, and I've done worship for like a long time. But like the homie's got some thoughts on this too. Yeah, but the thing, <laughs> but the thing is, it's like it's all like this performance. You know what I'm saying? And to get people into that that mindset, and like yeah, there is some authentic authenticity in that. But the but the the reality is is like 
if you exit outside this, exit outside this bubble, OC bubble, you will see that there are systemic issues that are happening all the time. Like even turn on, like legitimately, like read a book, like read one book, read one book, turn off Fox News, stop voting on single issues, and you'll see that 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 oh shit, my issue. Don't go overseas. Stop going overseas. Stop yeah. looking at like Africa as this poor country. And there's a lot of places that are much more. Our infrastructure is a D minus. <laughs> Number one. So that's our, true. U.S. infrastructure is a D minus compared to a lot of. Students. So yeah. my thing is like when you when you think that like we have it all together. Yeah. Like we do not. We we don't. Well, I think oh, to your point to yours, I don't think that people go to other countries because um, it's America's so great. I think it's part of it. I think the white savior is part of it. Yeah. Because think of this. Okay. You're in a church I'm locally. I'm really curious of what you're going to say. Keep going. Are you? Yeah. Love it. You're in a church locally, right? Uh-huh. And you feed the homeless nearby. You've built a relationship now. You have responsibility now. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Those people know you. And you know them. You know Damn, their name. What you're about to say is even worse than what I was thinking. <laughs> if you just go to Africa, right? And you play with some kids. You take a picture. You come home. That's over. It's not all shit. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Goose, That's damn. over. No, but for real. You have no responsibility to those people anymore. Yep. That now is a fun memory you get to show people to show them how good of a person you are. Damn. You just show them, look, I went to Africa. Yep. Look how happy these kids are all yep. around me. I gave them food. Yep. Yeah. But if you help somebody in your community, you see that person again. Yep. Chelsea and I literally gave like a sweatshirt and a blanket and a phone number to a person. We see that lady all the time. Yeah. She's always in front of the same store we go to. Yep. And I try to help her as much as I can. Like I'll buy her a chicken. I'll buy her some food. Yeah. But like I see her all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I see her and I feel convicted that I should do something. But if I just get the police to kick her off to Santa Ana so my city doesn't have any homeless people in it, I get to feel good about myself that I helped that lady that one time. If I just go to Mexico and build a church like I've done multiple times, they send me a picture of the church, I feel great. Yep. I feel good. Yep. If I sponsor a child, which yep. I also used to do. I still do. And that Shout girl sends him. me, yep. yeah. Yep. And that she sends me a picture of herself and I go, wow, look at that. Mm. My $8 or $10 a month is doing this. I get to feel good and I'm done. Yep. You know what I mean? But I think that the commitment that it requires to work within your community is a lot higher. Yeah. And the conviction's a lot higher. Yep. And but and you're hitting out a really good point because like that's what I've said. Like that's the and I've said this in allyship. So, and it's this, it's the, the same rules apply. Systemic change comes at a cost to you. Yeah. It 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 is relationship building. You lose. It's sacrificial. And like when when we look biblically. When we look in the Bible as how they served their communities, they moved in. Like it was a group effort, it was a community effort, and they gave absolutely everything they were time, money, resources, skills. All of these things went towards helping that community get better and do that. And I'll say specifically the. The U.S. church, like we do not do that well. Like we do not. I do think that the well. white evangelical churches don't do that. Thank I you think for correcting minority, me. That's a great. That's I think a great, minority that's churches a, no, do do that. Absolutely, no. That's a really great point. And, and when I said that, uh, got to catch myself. That yeah. internalized racism. <laughs> that, that, that that like legitimately when I say that, that's who I'm talking yeah. about. But we got to be specific. No, we're white too. evangelical. Yeah, <laughs> we're white evangelical Christians. No, they don't. Goes, They're very goes, hands yeah, off, and so. it's a very consumeristic. It's a very consumeristic experience for them. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we're talking about, mm-hmm. and it should be that way. Yeah. It shouldn't be a Sunday thing. Like you go watch some football, then you go to church, and that's your week. Yeah. But that's what it's become, and I think that it's it's such a huge disservice mm-hmm. to the community, but it's a disservice to you. Okay, so um, I think I'm going to ask you a question now. So, yeah. 
church and politics slash the state. So when I say politics, I'm actually referring to the state. Yeah. Um, do they mix? So a lot of people get really mad about at me about these opinions. Well, a lot of people get really mad about me a lot of stuff. But this specifically, because I still have some libertarian thought in me. I just don't think it applies to people because they're too dumb. Hmm. But uh, in the, when it comes to the church, here's, all, here's what my scenario always is, okay? Because people will say, well, America was built on Judeo-Christian values. We should maintain those. I don't, think we, I don't know what you think Judeo-Christian values are, but let's just say I agree. Mm. Imagine you live in a majority Muslim country, and the government is run by mostly Muslims, mm. right? And they impose Islam, mm. right? The biggest fear of all. How do you feel? Do you feel oppressed? Do you feel like you convert to Islam? And then let me ask you, what did Jesus do when he showed up? Did he just overthrow the Roman Empire? Or did he go to people and talk to them one by one? So when I think about laws and our Christian values, I think we should just be as fair and as just as we can be. Mm. If that means that we're pro-choice, unfortunately that means that. And that's the one that people hate. And yeah, by the way, get mad I've that. also been supporting gay marriage since I knew what the Constitution was. Yeah. Because I don't think it's possible not to yeah. under the laws of this country. Mm. You want to go start your own country and run it, you know, Old Testament, you can. But in this country, you read the Constitution, it's impossible. It's impossible. And so is abortion. Mm. It's impossible. Because I don't see anywhere in the Constitution that prevents someone from doing that. Yeah. Do I think it's wrong? Yes. Do I wish it never happened? Of course. But do I think the best way to go about it is to make it illegal? No. And what's funny is I tell that to people and they say, well, we should make it illegal because there'll be less of it. And I think, okay, well, what do you think about gun laws? Do you think gun laws work? They go, no. I go, why? Because people get guns anyways. I go, okay, now apply that logic to abortions. (laughs) Like, I don't understand how that's so – it seems very simple to me. So I guess my point is – one, oppressing people is always going to turn them away from the church. Mm. I think Donald Trump has been the worst thing to happen to the Christian church in a long time. Mm. Because people look at what he's doing, look at what he's saying, look at how he's treating the LGBTQ community, and they're not going to want to come to church. They're going to say, this guy is backed by evangelical Christians? They support him? That's a hostile place for me. I've met multiple pastors who support Donald Trump, and I thought I would never go to your church. Mm. Ever. So... I don't think we should be weaponizing the government just because we're Christians. And I, heavy quotes here, listener, heavy quotes. The country's majority Christian. We shouldn't weaponize the government. That's mm. called oppression. Yeah. It's called systemic oppression. It's what I'm trying to fight right now. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. But long story short, I think that the church and the state should be separate. And I think that it helps a lot more for the church to be supportive in the community mm. and to push for change in the government than it does for the church to do nothing and just tell people to vote red which is what they do now. I think that when people are not oppressed by the Christian church, they'll see the love of God. I don't think people see the love of God by first imposing the rules, right? Yeah. First people belong, then they follow. When I was an undergrad, when I went on a mission trip, yeah. I like, um, this missionary told me, he's like, yeah, I've been talking to the same person for five years, and they've only come to church one time. But we talk every single time we talk. And it, it's all about relationship building, all about building rapport, all about having that relationship. Yeah. And that radically changed like how I honestly like love people and care for people Mm -hmm. like because i truly fundamentally believe people are not a project that's what like wrecked my like faith because like we look at people and and say like all right almost like an mlm scheme right Mm. um of like all right how many people am i going to convert yeah and have no relationship with that person yeah like come to my church i've had people roll up on me like literally i thought i was gonna have to fight and they said they wanted to pray for me i'm like bro i don't want you praying for me dog i don't want you talking to me 
you know what I'm saying? And they don't know me. They don't know right. anything about me. And every time I see you on the streets, those street evangelists get me. Because, like, you're not building any kind of relationship with this person. You're right. not even, like, you don't know. Yeah, they might have said a cool prayer, like, in that 30 seconds. They might have felt something. And their life might have been changed in that moment. But Could the happen. fact of the matter is, they have to still go back to the same thing. They are still facing systemic racism. They are still facing, like, they go down the street. Nobody's going to ask them if they're a Christian. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, like, I feel like that's the disconnect. There's no relationship building. There's no connection. And that's so frustrating. And so, like, when I see people, like, as far as, like, they say that they're, like, we don't need to talk about politics in the church. But everything they're doing is political. Yes. That is what's extremely frustrating. Yes. So, like, how can... It's just, like, this cognitive dissonance. It's, it's Yeah. It's just, like, it's unbelievable to me. For me, I think that the line is absolutely blurred. Um, not in a way that church is leading every single policy, legislation, yada, yada, yada. It is blurred in that, like, there is ideologies, like, people's re- people's political I- ideology is their religion. It's not the other way around. You know I what see. I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's, they are steered by their political ideology and saying that it's their faith, belief system. Well, okay, let me say this, because I think that you're, I think I agree with you, kind of. Okay. Because there's two problems here, right? There is a product of the model of government and politics that we have, and there's a problem of opinion. So you and I, I'm probably more right-wing than you are. I believe in a lot of like free capitalism. You and I might have the same goal, right? Mm-hmm. And I always tell people this when they're having political arguments. I think it's very important. We'll say, hey, what do we want? We want people to prosper. Yep. We want everyone to do well. Yep. We want people to have food on the table yep. and financial security and food security and all this stuff, right? Yep. And you'll say, well, I think we should give people money. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, I think we should open businesses for them. But we can be both Christ followers and expressing our faith and just mm-hmm. disagree about how to help people. That's one thing. What's happened in American politics is the Republicans, like we were talking about in the 70s, because before the realignment of the Republican Party, it used to be you had Christians that were Democrats, Republicans who were, you know, whatever, atheists, all this stuff. In the 70s, the huge realignment. And what they did was genius. They said, hey, if you're a Christian, you should be in this party. It was really genius, actually. And they literally corralled every single Christian into the same party. Mm-hmm. And that's when the Republican right and Christian thought started being blurred. But see, like you're saying, I think your main point was our whole life can't be compartmentalized. Yeah. Our whole life should be an expression of Jesus. Mm. And I agree. But I think that because of the way our system works, this is what happened. Our political system, right? Yes. Okay. Our political system blurred into the church. And now we've accepted ideas that aren't Christian. And, oh, man, I'm forgetting this guy's name, but I listened, there's a podcast you told me to listen to. He was a black guy. He went to a mostly white church. And he was talking about how white evangelicals act like some of their traditions are a gospel. Hmm. And they're not, you know? I think that's happened a lot. So I think that, like, when we're talking about helping people and we're talking about what to do, a lot of Christians won't look at what the Bible will say about it. Hmm. They'll look at what the Republican Party has to say about it. And then they'll, with that view, they'll make sure it's okay with the Bible. It doesn't directly contradict. They won't go the other way. They won't say, what does the Bible say about this? And then which party do I pick to get this result? They start here. Republican Party says this. Does that directly contradict? No, then we're good. It's everything is permissible and not everything's beneficial. Hmm. In effect. Wait, what's, what's different than what I said? Because I feel like we just said the same thing. Did we? Yeah. I forgot what you said. Yeah, I, I was saying political said. ideology 
people are led by their political ideology and not necessarily their faith. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's what I was trying to yeah. say. I was saying that there's two things there because I think that you can be led by your faith. Oh, okay. And still line up with political ideology. I see. Okay. That's my point. Gotcha. But like, if the, let's say, I mean, let's make this realistic. Let's say you and I have a local candidate that completely lines up with what we're saying mm-hmm. and he's an independent. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, yeah, let's just do whatever that guy says. Yeah. Right? Or like if you ran for office, I'd be like, yeah, whatever John says, let's do that. Mm-hmm. I trust John. And then someone would say, well, your ideology is overcoming your faith. And I said, no, no, but John's doing everything I think should be done. And in that case, that would be okay. Right. So I think there are sometimes I'm gonna frame this. You're you're a rational thinking person, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, so, <laughs> I just want to put it in context. <laughs> but I feel what you're saying. Yeah, though. but what I'm saying yeah, yeah. is sometimes our desire to follow Jesus is gonna line up with ideology, but the ideology yeah. is not controlling. Yeah. But I think what you're saying is right in that the ideology is controlling right now. Yes. And then we look at the Bible. Just to make sure it's not in direct contradiction. Mm-hmm. And I keep saying that because there's, there's a lot of things that Republicans do that Jesus would never do. Yeah. But it's just not clear enough. It's not black and white enough for them, someone to say, hey, look at this. Now look at this policy. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? No? Yeah. Okay. And I have two things on that. One, I think that's very purposeful. Yeah. Very purposeful. Two, I think I agree with most of that. I think the hard part is that what I've seen is that this is what I'll hear. This phrase is that, you know, I voted for... I voted Republican because I'm a Christian. I'm a God-fearing person. And that's why I'm like, why does why does you voting Republican have to do with your, your Christian faith? Because like if literally the way I read the Bible, like that doesn't line up to me. Uh, here's your problem in this in that thinking. You think people are deep thinkers. That's your assumption. No, I'm dead serious. <laughs> your assumption is yeah. that people think for themselves. Yeah. You just assumed that. This person, this is the person you're describing in this scenario, thinks mm. for themselves. They don't. Mm. They have a job, right? They have a nine to five. They're tired when they come home. Yep. And they got to vote in this election coming up. And everyone they know votes Republican. Everyone mm. that goes to church votes Republican. The guy goes up there. He says, you know, God bless America. And they think, okay, that's it. <laughs> I joke, I kid you not. That's the extent of a lot of people. You know, a lot of people would just damn. get, you're they'll right. just you're actually hear. Right. You're right. You're right. Don't say actually. I'm right all the time. Yep. Stop, <laughs> bro. Stop. Stop. But most people... Oh, man. I encounter Chelsea, this please. <laughs> please. She was here. The eye rolls, bro. Please, the eye rolls. Please get this guy. <laughs> Come get your boy. <laughs> Seriously. But that's what I've encountered a lot in this debate of systemic injustices mm. is people will refer to me to commentators. Mm. And what a commentator is somebody who does all the work for you. Yep. Or at least you think they do. I used to like Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro's completely sold I out. remember when you liked him, and I told you that that dude is an idiot. And then you were like, oh, like you, you know, this is why I like well, him. Well, I agreed with you. I said, listen, Ben Shapiro's analysis is usually just shallow, right? That's what you he, told me. Yeah. Yep, yep. He'll look at a problem, and he'll think of he'll look at the first possible solution. He'll say, yep. there we go, it's solved. And I thought that was shallow, but sometimes things aren't that deep. Like sometimes policies aren't that, aren't that complicated. He does the same thing with systemic racism, which is impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. So he's completely sold as more. And then you got people like Candace Owens. Like Candace Owens is, oh, he just got heated, y'all. <laughs> he just got heated. So these people, they listen to them. They listen to two to three minute videos from these right wing commentators. And that's how the decisions get made. That's it. Because Ooh. that's literally how a lot of voters, that's how they decide. They don't have this like, you and I sit here and think critically, okay, this policy versus this policy. And how does that line up with my faith and this candidate and blah, blah, blah. Well, he's pro-choice. Am I okay with that? Let me think deeply about this. Mm. None of that happens. None of that. 
abortion's wrong. Who is against abortion? Boom, done. Damn, you just wrecked my whole that whole my whole idea. <laughs> I'm serious. Like I've literally been saying that for like the last like two three years. And my assumption was that people are thinking as critically about yeah. these things as I am. Yeah, so and to some extent, it. yes, but. A lot of times, it no. really is because I think back to like how I used to vote. I yeah. didn't like look at who this. I didn't look no. at the record. I didn't look at like I didn't listen to multiple podcasts, listen to read articles, like no. trying. I didn't do the research that literally is required. I didn't do like the six months of research. Yeah. No, <laughs> literally, it is. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. And that's yeah. why I think that you know, that's why I like doing my podcast. And it's and it's and granted, like it, it is so much. And on top of that, we spent a lot of time and energy undergrad. Well, that's the that's the key. Yeah. That's yeah. the key. The key is I know how to read things. Yep. I know how to critically think about yep. things, and, and I know dissect, how to research. And know, and yeah, 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 yeah. That's what my, that's what you paid for in college. Yep. You didn't pay for the knowledge. Yeah. Knowledge you can find again. Yeah. You paid for how to think. You learn how to think. That's what mostly what law school taught me. Mm-hmm. Is how to think. Yeah. It's how to see when people are making assumptions. Find and, them. And now when people um, send me stats, that my favorite stat that people like to send me when they talk about like black on black crime and like when cops kill a black person, they say <laughs> cops kill more white people. I'm like, first of all, okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about percentages because like you're do just it. sending me a number. Do it to them. Do it. <laughs> you're just sending me a number. Okay, so when there are more white people. Yeah. And so if we're talking about more people that are open and available to like shoot, then that means they're, they're, it's going to be easier to do that. Do you know how many people you have to kill when you are 13% of a population to still, Tipping close. To still be close percentage-wise? Yeah. That is unbelievable. And, and let's not talk about like the criminal justice system where there's 2 million people in jail at any given time right. where a majority of them are black and brown. That's insane. So like when people send me that stat, I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. So, okay. Completely agree. Here's yeah. the craziest thing about this, right? So people say that to you. And by the way, it's not just percentage, it's also raw numbers. Like it's yeah. close to yeah. raw numbers, which yeah. is the craziest part. Yeah. President of the United States said this at an interview, right? Someone asked him, did you see this clip? Oh, sh- yes, I did. I saw this clip. Someone asked him, hey, how do you feel about uh, the police killing black people, essentially? And he said, they kill white people too. In fact, more white people. And I and Trevor Noah made a huge joke about this. Like, so the police are killing people. You agree. It's a problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but like, of course they kill more white people. You're the majority of the country. Yeah, look at percentages. Look at per capita. Yep. Look at use of force yep. in interactions. Yep. And here's the craziest part about all of this, mm. right? And I I forget the exact number, but white people are way more likely to kill a cop than black people. Wow. Like during an arrest, white people are historically way more aggressive and violent mm. than black people. But I saw this while I was reading. And I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. Okay, so full transparency, I searched high and low for this stat, but could not find it. But like most data on policing in the U.S., any statistics that are before like at least five to ten-ish years are really actually hard to track down because it was just not kept. However, what I did find out, without a shadow of a doubt, is that police use more physical and lethal force with black people whether they are armed or not, at a dramatically disproportionate rate than any other race. That data is absolutely undeniable. And so for all you people that think we're playing victim, you need to pick up a book. Do Google search. But those are stats, raw numbers. So you're telling me white people are more aggressive, they're more dangerous, they result in more cop murders, yet they get less, they get treated like people. Regardless, yeah. right? 
Dylan Roof killed a bunch of people, gets, gets Burger King, gets water and Burger King. Black people gives a $20 bill, valid bill, gets killed for it. How? Yeah. How, Sway? Yeah. <laughs> Explain this to me. Yeah. Also, the fact that the cops were called for $20. No. Well, the fact they don't have a marker in there just to check the bill. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, that's not. La- and, that's not. I'm. I'm laughing because it's. Just, it's like so sad. And the fact that nobody yeah. would ever call the cops if the guy was white. Yeah. Because you would have no reason to doubt him. But like, so people. I mean, but people want to talk about this, but they don't know the studies. Yeah. They look at like a very short, like a, like a, a bit. And by the way, I even hate the term black on black crime. It's not. It's just crime. But it's just it, crime. Yeah. And I love is they say, well, you know, fifty percent of murders, and I go, okay, listen, you know, black on black crime community. Do you know how many? how much white-on-white crime stats are? And they'll go, what do you mean white-on-white crime? And they go, well, we're talking about black-on-black crime. What is white-on-white? What is the white-on-white crime rate? They don't know. I do. It's 89%. White people are killed by other white people 89% of the time. Mm-hmm. Black people, it's 86%. Yep. A little better in the black community. Yep. And I know, do you know why you don't know that? Because it's about poverty. It's not about race. Yep. People kill people they're next to. And the, the crime in the black community, which is disproportionately poor... The crime rate and the violent crime rate is exactly the same as in the poor white neighborhoods. Yep, this is exactly the same. What does that tell you? Yep. Does that tell you that white people are black? Does that tell you that <laughs> black people are disproportionately violent? Or does that tell you that poor people commit crime? And why are black people poor? Well, I was listening to a podcast earlier, uh, but the but somebody said like what I have seen in the last four. No, what I'm mixing my 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 mind is mush right now. You said this earlier. Oh, you said this during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but like what's happened what uh the attack on like intellectualism like yes. in this country yes like the idea is to like That's what to, I believe, out yep, with. to 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 think critically and like actually believe has just been picked and chipped away yeah. like it is unbelievable so like so like everything we're talking about we can spit out facts all day it's like the the dominant narrative that's existing right now is yeah opinion. and i'll tell you this it's more useful people don't trust me right mm-hmm. i'm not a reliable source for people because i'm brown mm-hmm. They'll think, well, Gustavo's got an agenda, right? Mm-hmm. He's black, his wife's black, he's got an agenda. Yeah. When white people say exactly what Bro, I'm saying... Don't, don't get me started on this one. They say exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. They're believed. Yeah. People go, well, really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. When I say it, it's, oh, well, these numbers are off. You made that up. Or, oh, where's your source? Here's your source. Oh, no, that's liberal bullcrap. That's just like a liberal institution. And that's the one thing Donald Trump's done, mm. is he has completely destroyed at least all his supporters belief in institutions mm-hmm. in educational institutions in medical institutions now with the virus mm. anyways alright <laughs> right. any final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts please um, I'm not even going to tell you who to vote for yep if I were you me I'm voting for Joe Biden I'm not going to tell you who to vote for here's what I encourage you to do if you're a Trump supporter listening to this this is all this is the only person I care about if you're a Trump supporter and you listen to this podcast thank you you got this far. I know I said a lot of things you disagree with. I appreciate you. Two, please do your research. I want you to look into Ukraine. I want you to look into everybody around Donald Trump has gotten arrested for something. I want you to look into that. Mm-hmm. I want you to look at what he's done for you if you're working class. If you're rich, you know what he's done for you. Your tax looks great. If you're working class, what has he done for you? Then I want you to look at how much you pay for health care. Then I want you to look at the Russian interference going on in our election. Not from Fox News, from the intelligence agencies in the United States saying that Russia is interfering in our election. And finally, I want you to think about why Donald Trump is suing several states that pre-registered voters 
I want you to think about why suppressing the vote helps the president, and I want you to think about why he's been trying to defund and sabotage the U.S. Postal Service. All right. Well, thanks so much, G. Thank you so much. Uh, Appreciate for doing it, this, man. This is so much fun. Got to do this again. For yes, sure. Yes, sir. For sure. All right. On. And that's Gustavo, y'all. Like I mentioned before, Gustavo is the host of the Goose is Loose podcast, a fun show about politics and culture, and I highly recommend it. Go ahead and check it out. You can find him anywhere you get your podcasts. And I hope Goose and I didn't sound too like sensationalist when we're sitting there talking about politics, about what could go wrong and where our current politics are at. But I do want to echo this. We don't want to tell you who to vote for. But I honestly believe that voting is such a sacred right that whoever you choose to cast your vote for should be somebody who is the best fit for the job. And it's in my personal opinion that Donald Trump is not the best fit for the job. And another big takeaway from this conversation is me and Gustavo's very similar but vastly different experiences in Orange County. We're both black men, both married, both ambitious, both caring and loving people. Yet we have completely different ideologies when it comes to conversations on politics, faith, and how we go about conversations of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, oftentimes, in the media especially, the experiences of black folks are just lumped together. That somehow the diaspora of black people have been homogenized and we only think alike. No difference. That black people have no depth or nuance to how we approach the mass of problems facing our country. That could not be further from the truth. Black culture, black people are beautifully diverse in thought and experiences. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas, with musical, with music by the oh so talented Mr. Tony Deras. And if you like what you heard, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. You can always reach out to me on Instagram at RTWD Podcast. That's RTWD Podcast on Instagram. Till next time, y'all. Peace.